Okay, so we're back in Ephesians in our series on who am I, the identity of the believer. We're still in it. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to be, y'all, but I'm enjoying the, the trek as we go. Um, today, I think we're going to get through maybe verse 5. I, 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 um, that's probably what we're going to do. I'll probably go like 35-ish minutes today. So I really want us to zoom in and <clears throat> grab what's here today. But let, let's read verses 4. In verse 5, and then we're going to dive right into these verses because I think it's some rich things in it beyond just reminders. Verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, have you have been saved. This, this passage reminds me of, of something that I think is so important for everyone to understand that the richness of where credibility comes from. Credibility comes from really character. Character, as much as it's overlooked in our society, is probably the most important thing um, um, in, in the world. And, and this passage talks a lot about character. Most of us don't make judgment calls based on character. We make judgment calls based on appearances. Um, but the beauty of how God is, is God makes decisions based on character. Now, not, now you're going to find out today, he doesn't make his decisions based on human character. He makes his decisions based on somebody else's character. I don't know if we can guess whose character he... He likes to make decisions from because there's only one character in the universe that's consistent enough for him to trust, and that's his own. <laughs> so, 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 so really today, we're still in this uh, a salvific soliloquy and salutation. However, yeah, that's my Baptist coming out of me. I'm sorry. But um, um, yeah, yeah, it's coming out of me. It, it, it skeets out every now and then, but... But yeah, we're in this salvific soliloquy and, 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 and salutation today. And so we're going to dive into Last week we talked about God's wrath, his holiness, right? Like, like most people trip me out acting like God ain't the same in the Old and New Testaments. Like it's funny how right in the same doggone text it talks about his wrath and his love. So God isn't just a God that's uh, nostrils flaring. And he's not just a God, oh, come here, let me hold you by the chin. He's both. But neither one makes him a punk and neither one makes him overbearing. It makes him God. So beautifully laid out in this text is the living God being laid out. And it's really this text is going to talk about us, but the text really ain't about us today. It's about him. And, and you're going to see that this whole thing is about his character. So that brings us to what our topic is going to be today, the character behind our identity. We're going to talk today about the character that's behind our identity. <clears throat> See, our, our new identity can't have character unless there's someone with character that's creating it into character. Now, character gives you trustworthiness. Character is what makes you more than just your physique 
your gorgeousness, your beauty, how many times you change your hairstyle, your shape up, your gear, your accent, your, all of that's, you know, all of that's cool, but that's not character. Character is what is the recesses of who you are in your cardia, your heart. But what's beautiful today is going to talk about who God is in his character. It's going to talk about an aspect of it in relation to salvation. So I got one big old point, then I got like three subpoints. We're going to get to through two of the subpoints today. First point. First point today, God acted toward us based on his character. God acted towards us based on his character. What's so funny is the flow of this passage. I'm going to reread last week and then I'm going to jump into this section. Listen to the flow of the convo, right? It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. <laughs> I hear you, Miss Dale. You can go ahead and shout and lift your hands. I know you want to do it, sis. But, but God. See, whenever you see but God, that's a contrasting phrase letting you know some unique type of intervention just happened. Yeah, yeah. See, 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 usually in the Bible, it points to how raggedy man is before it or, or in a disposition or a place in life where man needs rescuing or, or something really bad is going on. Then all of a sudden the writer just say, but God. And I believe under the unction of the Holy Ghost, while Paul was writing it, he wrote, but God, and just stopped. And he stood up from the table, and he probably started thinking about, see, the, the, I know the candle was, wax was getting all on the wood table, and he stood up, and he just started. See, Paul was, a, he was an intellectual, but he was a worshiper too. So he got up from the table, he probably started walking around. I don't know if he went in the different languages that he spoke in, and just began speaking Aramaic and Greek and Hebrew, talking about God, because he remembered he was a killer. He remembered he hated God. He remembered how, 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 how vehemently legalistic he was. And then all of a sudden, he was riding a horse, kicking the kick, kicking the kick, kicking the kick, kicking the kick, going to Damascus, going to kill some more Christians. And all of a sudden, back out, light, he falls off his horse. All of the cats are like, man, Paul been, been on some meth or something. You know what I'm saying? He's talking to somebody. Like, is he on crystal? What is he on? He on crack. Like, Paul talking to somebody that's not there. All they see light. They don't see the person. Only Paul sees the person because God is having a personal encounter with him. But God. <laughs> and, and, and he's having a personal encounter with God, and he's talking to him. Why are you persecuting me? He said, I ain't never touched you. He says, you persecuted my people, therefore you're persecuting me. <laughs> so Paul... When he says, but God, he says it in a way from him knowing how ragged. See, some of y'all don't know what a but God feels like because you don't think you were in a place where you needed a but God in your life. <laughs> but, but I'm standing here today as pastor saying, but God excites me. <laughs> because I needed intervention. I, I, I needed a rescuer. I needed a hero. I needed someone to save me from the course of life that I had chosen. But God. Even today on your way here, if it wasn't but a but God, you, wouldn't, you would have not been here. 
Oh, 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 it was some poison in somebody's food this week, but God. You could have been in a car accident, a bullet, but God. See, this but God points to God as an interrupter of stuff. God loves to interrupt things. He's a climactic. See, movies and movie, there's no movie director greater than the director of the living God. Because he knows how to author the saga. So that when the but God happens, you appreciate it. He knows how, and every one of our lives is a movie reel. <laughs> and in that movie reel is God's grace and his mercy and his love and his truth and his life. God is a great interrupter. How many of your lives have been interrupted by God? God consistently interrupts. And so this passage is about God who interrupts, but I would welcome God's interruptions in my life. But then after it says, but God, it tells you why God is an interrupter <coughs> and what motivate him to interrupt, right? It says, but God, that brings us to our first subpoint: <coughs> the character God has a character of overwhelming compassion. God has a character, <laughs> this is so funny, of overwhelming compassion. It says, but God being rich in mercy. Oh, my goodness. We're going to spend some time on mercy. Y'all okay with that? My goodness. Because but what it's saying is that in salvation, God wasn't motivated by us. Wow. You thought you were fine enough to be saved, huh? You thought you had a... But listen, he was motivated by three things in this passage. The first thing he was motivated by was his overwhelming compassion shown through his mercy. Now, I know many people have described mercy as not giving someone what they deserve. That's, that's really a sub-meaning of eleos. Say eleos. Yeah, remember that. You should make a t-shirt with it on it. Eleos in the Greek. It's a beautiful word. And see... There you go, or Tom with Big Tom. Laos t-shirt line. There you go. But mercy, he's rich in mercy. His mercy means kindness or concern expressed for someone in need. In God's nature, in the midst of him being holy, in the midst of him being wrathful, he's not, wrath doesn't diffuse his mercy because his mercy is just as strong as his holiness. The question is, which one are you experiencing at what time in your life? So now what we got now is God being wealthy in mercy. Now I'm going to show you how wealthy he is because I don't think y'all believe it yet. But you're going to see in a minute as we go through some Bible, what does it mean for God to be rich in mercy? But mercy, this is interesting. <coughs> mercy is the goodness or love of God shown to people. In other words, most of us think of love differently than God thinks of love. <clears throat> See, most of us used to say, I love you. I love you so much. I'm so in love with you. And we just love, 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 talk all this love stuff, and we raggedly practice it. But see, God's love causes his mercy to act on love's behalf. So mercy is God's goodness and God's love and compassion in action. That's why you can't act at any point in your life like God isn't good because he's being merciful to you every single day. So, so, so here in this passage, it said he's rich in mercy. And, this Bible, and, and it says, and, and one of the most essential 
qualities of God is this. So specifically, mercy designates that quality in which God, by which he faithfully keeps his promises and maintains his covenant relationship with his chosen people despite their unworthiness and unfaithfulness. Wow. So, so what God does beautifully, family, is God doesn't look at you and he's not motivated by you. He's motivated by himself, yet he sees how raggedy we are. I'm going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> the biblical meaning of mercy is exceedingly rich and really, y'all, complicated to translate, to be honest. Now, now, it's two words in the Old Testament that translates into mercy or grace. It's chesed. Not chesed, but chesed. C-H in English, transliteration, C-H-E-S-E-D. Now, now I like, one thing, I, I don't like the Old King James that much, but I do like one translation that it uses. It'll translate mercy sometimes because it's such a big word. You really can't. It's almost untranslatable. So, so the translators are like, how do we... Like talk like because this is a comprehensive fat old word with all kinds of grits and, and giblets and, and, and gumbo grew in it. You know, it's just it's chicken grease language. You know, it's that it's the it's gravy, it's oxtail gravy on p rice and peas rich, right? Y'all know nothing about that, man. I, I'm talking about talk to me, Gesho. Uh, it's stewed chicken, it's curry chicken rich. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a rich, it's chocolate cake with mousse icing rich. Somebody ought to hear me. It's, 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 it's cheesecake rich. Somebody ought to get with me right now. Matter of fact, it's velvet cheesecake mix. Uh, it's graham cracker rich. It's, 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 it's strong. Come on, somebody. It's rich. It's rich. And the translator said, we're just going to make up a word. Because a word doesn't, so what we're going to do is we're going to put several words together to express this one word, loving kindness. <clears throat> now, if you put that into a word document, it, the word document go, huh? It'll just have that red line under it because it's not a word. But there wasn't a word in English to describe the mercy of God. So they had to make up a word with several words to try to point to its richness without still doing it any justice. So it put love and kindness together to try to explain how rich the mercy of God is towards us. <coughs> Consequently, there are many synonyms employed in the translation. Kindness, favor, compassion, steadfast love, loyal love, loyalty. God is a good, God's team is a good gang to be in because he's a loyal gangster. He's loyal. He's just like a good, you know, when you get in a gang, you ever watch Gangland, like on History Channel? You know what I'm saying? Them cats be crazy, man. Like, you're like committed to that. They beat the toast out of you, do something wrong, hit you with a knife one time, and you're still in the crew. I love my crew, man. You know what I'm saying? You're like, dang. But they're faithless. But in God, God is a worthy team member to be on because he's loyal to you. And so he drafts us based on his commitment to people he's decided to show his mercy to, even though they haven't decided to love him. <laughs> so at the heart of the concept of mercy is the love of God, which is freely manifested in his gracious saving acts, 
on behalf of those to whom he has pledged himself in covenant relationship with in Christ. It's phenomenal. It's expressed in so many different ways. It stresses the faithfulness of God despite man's unfaithfulness and therefore emphasizes, emphasizes pity, sympathy, <laughs> and his seeking acts to move closer to man as man moves farther away from him. <laughs> mercy, mercy, mercy. I don't know if anybody in here, no, y'all don't believe his mercy's rich, so I'm going to help y'all out. Okay, his mercy has so much character. The Bible has different, different like subsections that talk about like it only scratches the surface of his mercy in talking about it. The Bible scratches the surface of it. Let me talk about it. As a part of his character, you'll see it in Exodus chapter 34, 6 and 7. You'll see it in Psalm uh, 62, 12. You'll see it in Nehemiah 9, uh, 17. His mercy is described in like 12 ways. <laughs> Number one, and I'm, this ain't all of them. I'm just going through them. Number one, his mercy is described as great in Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. His, 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 his uh, mercy is described as manifold in Nehemiah 9.27. <coughs> his mercy is described as plenteous. Uh, in, in other words, he has a lot of it. In Psalm 86.5, it's called abundant in 1 Peter 1.3. It's called, his mercy is called sure in Isaiah 55.3. His mercy is called everlasting. That means it has no end in 1 Chronicles 16.34. His mercy is called tender mercies in Psalm 25.6. It's called new every day in Lamentations 3.23. Let me, oh, I got a part. I feel, listen, do you know that God's mercy stalks you? He's stalking you. You walking down the street, mercy doing like this. Looking all at you, can't like I be looking at my wife when she be walking past. Mercy, mercy, we're fine. So mercy, mercy doesn't think we're fine. It thinks God is fine, and therefore is motivated to make us fine. <laughs> See, and so so mercy is like mercy. You you sleep, you slobbing, nasty breath, nostrils flaring up. Boogers in your eyes, and mercy standing there looking at you like this. I can't wait to push the long cock on his heart to wake him up. Mercy's in the bathroom. Mercy in the shower. Mercy in the car. Mercy on the L. Mercy on the sub. Mercy on the trolley. There's mercy all over the place waiting for you. Mercy. That's what motivated God to save us. Is mercy likes it when it gets to people on God's behalf. It's mercy. <coughs> I got to keep going. I'm sorry. His mercy is high as the heavens. Psalm 36, 5. His mercy fills the earth. Psalm 119, 64. His mercy is over all his works. Psalm 145, 9. Mercy is his delight to distribute. Micah 7, 18. <laughs> and now his mercy is manifested in 10 more ways. I got to go over these real quick just so you can, because I don't think y'all believe his mercy is rich yet. So it's manifested in him sending Christ, Luke 178. It's manifested in Titus 3.5 um, through salvation. It's manifested in, 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 in him long-suffering with us, Lamentations 322. 
It's manifested to his people. Deuteronomy 32, 45. It's manifested to those who actually are scared of him. Uh, uh, Psalm 103, 17. It's uh, towards backsliders. Jeremiah 3, 12. Hosea 14, 4. Joe, uh, uh, Joel uh, 2, 13. To repentant sinners. Psalm uh, 32, 5. Proverbs 28, 13. Isaiah 55, 7. I can keep going. To the afflicted, those who are going through stuff can expect mercy. Isaiah 49, 13. To the fatherless, if you ain't got no earthly daddy if your daddy wigged out on you there's mercy for you Hosea 14 3 to, do, to whoever he wants to Romans chapter 9 verse 15 listen he's gives mercy to vessels who were ultimately vessels of wrath but then he turns them into vessels of mercy I got to keep going I want to stop there so bad oh my God is his mercy is with everlasting kindness Isaiah 54 8 and it's the his mercy is the ground for hope Psalm uh, 130 verse 7 it's the ground for trust Psalm 52 8 it should be sought for others Psalm 6 2 salt um salt for ourselves um Galatians 6 16 pleaded in prayer for mercy Psalm 6 4 rejoiced in Psalm 31 7 his mercy should be worshiped first Chronicles 16 34 Psalm 115 1 Psalm 118 1 through 4 and 29 I sound like um, the, um, my man uh, uh, Daryl right now. Jeremiah 33, 11. It's typified in the mercy seat. Exodus 25, 17. It's exemplified and typified in Lot. Genesis chapter 19, verses 16 and 19. And Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 27. And then Paul and, 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 and Titus and 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 13. And it's fully experienced in Jesus, this text. Mercy. Do you think his mercy rich now? That's a lot of mercy. That's a lot of mercy. And God doesn't just show off his mercy and say, look, I got mercy. He gives us mercy. Let's us experience the glory of his mercy <laughs> towards undeserving people like us. So I know we think we deserve his mercy, but look at what the rest of the verse but then, you know it's interesting God's mercy in this text being so rich reminds me of a song that you know I, I, I like now I, I watched one of them award shows you know what I'm saying you know, young bucks can't sing see they lip syncing and auto tuning but then an old head came on there and he got by the piano he went back like this see I don't know nothing about that when he go like that then he said all this Love that everybody, everybody got up and started going like this. Now, when that thing came on, I grabbed my wife's hand. All oh, this love is waiting for you. And we start dancing, spinning her around. You know why? It's, he's talking about all this love that he had for this woman is waiting. With well, the mercies of God being rich, God's love is waiting for you. Then it always also reminds me of the Donnie, Don, uh, uh, Donnie McClurkin song. Great is your mercy towards me, your loving kindness. Towards me, your tender mercies win day after day. What, what, what about this? Forever faithful. Come on, Jose, towards me. Always providing for me. While you're raggedy, I would add to that. Hallelujah to the mercy of God in this place today. Somebody should lift their hands today because of God's mercy. Someone should thank God today for his mercy towards them. <laughs> see, see, if you've been forgiven much, 
No one doesn't have to prime you that much. <coughs> see, so see, see, if you don't remember how bad you were and how bad off you, see, if you good off, if you think everything was okay, and you're like, you put your hand up like this. You put a pinky up. But when you knew how raggedy and far off you were from the covenants of God and the promises of God, then listen, what happens is, is you, you just start going like this. You can't even take it. Veins start showing up even if you got fat head and your hands go up in the air because why? Mercy. 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 Have mercy on me, a sinner. <laughs> I got to keep moving. But, it's, but God's mercy is enduring, and he loves giving it out. <coughs> Next point, and then I'm going to end on this. Lord, have mercy. Bless the living God for his mercy. Woo! Then it says, now, now Paul acting up. He say too much stuff. Look right here. He says, but God being rich in mercy... Then it says, because of the great love with which he loved us. Now, can I talk about this for a little while? Now, it goes to say, he says, but God being rich in mercy, why was he rich in mercy? Because of love. See that? See in this text how you see that mercy happens because love exists. But you can, mercy can't be dispensed unless love is there. Because love drums up the ability for mercy to be, go out and practice itself. Okay, so when he says, uh, 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 his, because of his great love towards us, love is also one of God's attributes. One of his perfections. The things that make God God. See, the minute, the, that brings me to my next point. Oh. Character, he has a character of unconditional commitment. He has a character of unconditional commitment towards us. So great is his love. <clears throat> I like when it says, it says it, God is love in John 4, 8. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, God's love may be defined as that perfection of the divine nature which God himself is eternally moved to communicate himself. That's phenomenal. God's love towards himself motivates God to love because that's his nature. Then it moves him to communicate himself. So when we hear the gospel, the gospel, you see, many of us want God's stuff but not him. Because we're gold diggers by nature. You were born as a gold digger. You were born to give a little bit of yourself to get a whole lot from somebody. That's called a gold digger. Gold digger, gold digger doesn't have any character. Okay? But, 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 but God doesn't respond to anybody trying to gold dig on him. Right? But what he does is in his love and his compassion and his commitment to communicate himself, he communicates himself to us through the Christ. Now, it's interesting that agape here <coughs> is not merely out of emotional impulse. In other words, it's not like some of, I don't know if you ever had high school love. You know what I'm saying? High school love is when you like like nine people. 
and you got all their numbers, and you go with, I don't know where we're going, but you go with three of them. So you say, I, I, I love Quantica. I love Quantica. I really love Cocretia. I love Elizabeth, and I love Mary. I don't know which one to pick, but I'm just going to play with all, all of them. See that's, see, that's emotional love. You know, I like her hair and her eyes and the way she smiled. Look at it. I like her, though, because, man, you know I like her. I like her because she has good conversation. So I don't know which one. You, you know how ladies are, you know, you know when you, ladies secretly play people. You know, dudes, we dumb. You know, ladies, they secretly play. You won't even, y'all be standing talking to each other, and you wouldn't even know it. You see what I'm saying? That's emotional love. Say my name. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's why you're laughing like a mug. Look at you back there. Laughing, right? That's called emotional love. That's called that old goofy love, right? But God's love isn't merely moved by a six-pack. Isn't moved by triceptacles. It's not moved by a shape-up, right? See, our love is moved by little things. Yeah, he got good conversation. I love him. Love him. Ooh, he's going to be a basketball player, and you know what that's going to happen in the NBA. Shoot. Girl, I think I can love him. I really think I can love him. $50 million contract, agape for me right now. I decide. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's easy to love that cat, right? Till he get on the road. My bad. So... Um, <laughs> but God, but God, his love isn't emotional. The wind doesn't blow him in. He, like, he decides immovably to love us. God. Let's see, like, my, like, like me, well, my wife, see, if my wife ain't done, I'm feeling funny. You know, if my breath is smelling like the trash of North Philly, she want me to brush my teeth. She want me to floss. She want me to take t three types of Listerine. And then she wants me to run around the block three times with my mouth open to air it out. Then I can kiss her. Right? <laughs> but see, what's crazy about God is he'll love you while you stink. Not just physically, but spiritually. Underarms smelling like Subway spiritually. Feet got mud, toe jam in between it spiritually, and God decides to love you while you're in that state and to give love towards you even though you haven't changed yet. And will kick your behind for not changing yet still love you while he's beating the toast out of you. That's love. But this is a love that doesn't demand that you change before the love is expressed. <laughs> it's a love that's expressed to bring change through mercy. Wow. God's love, I, I can keep, oh my God. What else I got to say? I don't know. Man, good God Almighty, God's love is rich. Then look at the next part of the verse though. Because <clears throat> this is going to express the depth of the love family. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? But then, one of the things, God is not an enabler. In other words, and he's not codependent. 
So God isn't an enabler to sit around somebody while they remain unchanged and just tolerate them being raggedy. See, just because God loves you unconditionally in that state, he doesn't love you to keep you in that state. The goal of his love is to get you out of that state. So love that just sits around mess and just sniffs doo-doo of soul is not love, it's, it's, it's complacency. But God's love is not only love unconditional, it's transformative love. That's why it says he made us alive in Christ. <coughs> he makes us alive in Christ. He loved us while we were unlovable, but in Christ he makes us lovable. <coughs> Yet, he didn't start loving us when we became lovable. His love made us, his love uh, loved us while we were unlovable, but his mercy through his love transformed us into lovability. Therefore, he's able to give all the love he always wanted to give us fully when now that we're changed. So he loves you, gives you mercy, and makes you alive in Christ. Therefore, we are no longer dead anymore. And therefore, since we're made alive in Christ, we're able to love like the one who loved us. Wow. You can't really love a person until you know Jesus. You really can't. You ain't got the capacity to. None of us do. And so he makes us alive in Christ, make us brand spanking new, places us in the body of Christ so that we'll experience his love but give his love to his people and to those who don't have his love. Isn't that, that's God's character. So no matter what you're going through, you should not let your situation change your view of God's character. Because see, when you don't understand God's character, you misinterpret what you go through as God's character in action. In, in other words, if something's hard, then you say God is hard. If something makes you sad, you say God is making you sad. But see, when you know God, that's why it's important to have uh, sermons that talk about the character of God. You say, well, I need some application. I need to know what to do. Okay? Well, if you have an, an understanding of the character of God, it gives you the right disposition to know what to do. Because the character of God is the greatest motivator for the Christian. That's why you need to know your God and stop making him up to be something else. You got to know what he's like. How dare you have a relationship with someone you don't know? Know him. So if you're in a situation, you say, you, you, you begin, see, this is what you got to learn how to do. You got to learn how to meditate on God's character consistently. Because the better you know your, his character the better you're able to deal with anything. That's why Paul is talking about his character right here. Even though he's using salvation as the springboard, he's talking about God's character. And when you know his character, it's something in you that's different. There's something in you that changes, even if stuff around you doesn't change. If you know God is faithful, then even though your situation is frustrating, you Believe God, because if you don't believe God is good, you're not trusting in God. If you don't believe God is faithful, then you're not trusting in God. If you don't believe God is merciful, you're not trusting in God. If you don't believe God loves you as a Christian, if you don't believe he loves you, you don't trust him. Even if you don't feel his love, he loves you. Now, God's love isn't devoid of emotion. 
It's just not motivated by it. So I just pray that as you grow, as we grow in our identity in Jesus Christ, as we grow in our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we grow in our understanding of God's character. Because the more you understand his character, the better you get to know yourself. Father, we bless you for your commitment to us that exceeds everything, that exceeds our comprehension, that exceeds our wisdom, that exceeds our ability, that exceeds everything. And we're thankful, God, that your mercy endures forever. Your mercy is everlasting. And God, I pray that we would get to know our living king more and more and more and appreciate you more and more and more and grow in a, in, in, in a, in, in a solaceness. And become better worshipers because we know your character. Not just worshipers in the gathering of the saints, but worshipers in how we live in the world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We honor you. Amen.